Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to a special edition of Popcorn and Compliance. As you know from prior episodes, Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative, and I are huge MCU fans. So we've decided to do the MCU movie oeuvre. That's right. We're going to do all of the MCU movies in this special podcast series. Over the series, we will take a look at the storylines, some of the cookies and other cool things. We'll describe the great action scenes from each um, episode, and then we'll take a look at issues raised by each episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will take things from the societal angle, from the social justice angle, from the MCU angle, and perhaps even from the compliance angle. But if you're an MCU fan or you're a compliance fan, I know you will enjoy in this edition, we take up an episode which doesn't get a lot of love, but upon rewatching, I found a lot to enjoy. Iron Man 2. This podcast is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, back again with Megan Doherty at our newest challenge, which is we're going to review the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe on popcorn and compliance. Why? Well, because it's there and we are MCU Uber geeks. If you're also an MCU Uber geek and want to join us, let us know and we can uh, see about bringing you in on the fun. We're reviewing the MCU films as they appear in chronological order on the MCU timeline, not by release date. And today we take up the Incredible Hulk. So, uh, Megan... The Incredible Hulk. I'm not quite sure where to start. Um, I guess we have to start at the beginning, which is I absolutely detested this movie the first time I saw it. Um, upon reviewing or re-watching it, it didn't get much better. I think it's the weakest entry in the entire MCU. Uh, part of that's the script, which I was a little bit surprised to find that uh, Edward Norton had extensively rewritten the script, um, although he wasn't credited uh, on the final uh, screen credits. Um, I don't know if it was him. I don't know if if it was other screenwriters, but I thought the entire effort uh, was weak. Um, The, um, I I had read a lot of Incredible Hulk comics uh, when I was younger and he he really didn't have this level of angst that I saw in this um, this movie. Um, he is uh, as we meet him, he's uh, hiding in Rio de Janeiro, trying to learn how to control his heart rate, which sets off the Incredible Hulk. It's really not "Don't make me mad." It's "Don't get my heart rate up." So um, I don't know if you ever watched the TV show Grimm. Uh, but that was a strategy that many of the animals in Grimm used uh, to try to keep from uh, transforming. But um, so he's in um, Rio, the U.S. Army slash bad guys slash somebody else is after him because they want to use him as a weapon. Um, he is he should have known better than this, but he's working at a Coca-Cola bottling plant. He cuts his hand or cuts some part of his body, a drop of blood goes into a Coke bottle, an old man drinks it and transforms, so that's how they track him down. And the rest of the movie is about really trying to capture him. So, um, and of course, mayhem ensues. 
We have um, the abomination appear. Uh, we have lots of um, very uh, impressive CGI battles. They won in Harlem. And uh, we meet the love of his life, Betty. And um, so what were your kind of plot points that you really struck you one way or the other when it comes to the Incredible Hulk? Well, I mean, Liv Taylor looks amazing with bangs, uh, first and foremost. Just fantastic, A-plus styling. (laughs) But um, this was actually uh, my first viewing of The Incredible Hulk. I had not seen it at all before um, because I I was wondering why I couldn't find it on Disney to watch it like the rest of the MCUs. It's actually owned by Universal, um, which is why it was not there. So maybe the franchise is trying to disavow themselves of it a little and that um, Edward Norton (laughs) was... um, recast may be a commentary on the script uh at a, or performance or otherwise um but i mean it was it was it was a fluffy action adventure movie um you know and, and taken as that there were lots of you know interesting fun fight scenes um the bad guys were cartoonishly bad um uh some of the choices they made i thought were really kind of weird and interesting like like you know, super smart guy Bruce Banner needs to control hyper-dangerous, uncontrollable urge by settling in the most populated city in the world. Great plan. Good thinking there. Uh, Things like that. Um, There was a little symmetry in this uh, movie as well, which was nice. It kind of uh, begins the story trying to control and suppress uh, the Hulk, which he sees as only a bad thing. But by the end of the movie, he's trying to direct it more, aim it a little more, um, use this power... Um, whether it was good or bad, inherently for good. Um, so that's nice. Um, and similarly, they they brought in that idea of, uh, you know, what's inside is going to uh, present itself more when you're enhanced with superheroes. Like the whole super serum thing made the abomination much worse. Maybe it's going to make the Hulk a lot better. Um, but it was all pretty surface. I'd agree with you, not not maybe the strongest uh, movie in the universe. <laughs> By a, by a margin of some consideration. So Tim Roth was in this movie, and he plays the ultimate villain who becomes the abomination. And I'm a huge Tim Roth fan. I think he's a great, laconic actor. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure he's really an action kind of guy. And, and that's what... It's a little weird. That's, right? that's the role he played in this. But uh, the serum, I was uh, really struck by the serum this time around, which changed... Uh, banner into the incredible hulk and i had not fully appreciated that it tied directly into uh the serum used on captain america although it's some sort of variation on it um it really the hulk ties back to captain america and that's actually uh from the comic books the um in the comic books the hulk is um he's not a really likable character he's i don't want to say a bad guy because this is something that happened to him as opposed to something he did to himself. But uh, in the comic books, he battles the Fantastic Four a lot, uh, who were my favorite superheroes. Um, But there were some incredible, cool points in this. And I will have to share with you the absolute coolest was when there was a cameo from Lou Ferrigno. Lou Ferrigno was a bodybuilder. Uh, he was handicapped. He had a speech impediment and learning disabilities as a child. And um, to give him confidence, his parents uh, had him start lifting weights at a very young age. And this was in the 60s. 
And so I was uh, aware of him from the bodybuilding world. Uh, and he um, played the Incredible Hulk in the television show. He didn't talk a lot because he still has that speech impediment. Uh, at least back then, he spoke a little bit in this movie. Uh, but to see Lou Ferrigno, and, and frankly, I felt like they were honoring him, and they were so they were honoring honoring a character who played this role some forty years ago. Uh, he did it with panache. Uh, he didn't have to say he grunted a lot, um, but that, I just thought that was the nicest <laughs> tribute. Although, of course, it was a, a cameo as well. Um, Bill Bixby who plays uh, Dr. Banner in that television show was also in this version of the Mm -hmm. movie, but it was more digital because he was dead by the time this movie was made. And so they had to to graft up a uh, clip of him from another television show he played in the courtship of Eddie's father. So that was cool. But I have to say that I really like seeing Lou Ferrigno. Um, Perhaps the, deepest, coolest cookie I could find in this show was the guy in this movie who was simply called the computer nerd. And he's the one that tracks down Banner. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, into uh, in uh, Rio through the drop of his blood that got in the Coke bottle. But here's what the computer nerd becomes. He becomes Ray Harrington, who is a teacher in the high school where Peter Parker goes to school. And that is so cool uh, to me. Uh, so I, I, really, cool. uh, I really liked uh, that foreshadowing. And then uh, in this viewing, Megan, uh, I saw so much more of the tie back to Captain America and how uh, it made me realize, I realized, mm-hmm. of course, it's a fantasy and a comic book, but how lucky they were that the, the serum worked the first time. I can't remember how many people died before Steve Rogers lived <laughs> as Captain America, but they continued to try to refine mm-hmm. the serum, and it really didn't work uh, very well. Uh, Tim Roth becomes this abomination who uh, ends up being defeated by the Incredible Hulk. So what were some of the cookies uh, you really liked in this one, Megan? I think Liv Tyler is always kind of a treat. Uh, in movies, so I, I hadn't, been, I didn't uh, realize that she was she was part of the MCU, uh, but that 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 was nice. Um, how she has not aged a day since two thousand one Lord of the Rings, I don't know, but you know that's neither here nor there. Um, in the movie, her uh, father, General Ross, um, there's a name we're going to be seeing a lot more uh, as time goes on. So I liked the introduction of uh, him being, um, you know, wrong thinking but ultimately well meaning. Um, is a really kind of nice part of that's, I think, kind of emblematic of, you know, the system, um, military, governmental, whatever, in the MCU. Uh, generally well-intentioned, but, you know, easily led astray. So I like that uh, that introduction there. Um, and and those, those were kind of uh, my big ones. Um, I thought the fight scenes were good. The Abomination, um, I didn't catch that his name was Abomination, so I had him noted down as Hulkzilla. Uh, but, uh, you know, cartoonishly bad, bad guy. Um, the metaphor, perhaps, um, being that power for power's sake ultimately corrupts. Who knows? <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah, no, it was, it was a, a fun, it was a popcorn movie. We're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with more on The Incredible Hulk.
Uh, Liv Taylor obviously was in the trilogy of Lord of the Rings, but I actually remember her from uh, <clears throat> That Thing You Do, um, which was a movie about a, a band from the uh, early 60s. And she was given the moniker of a great kisser. So that struck me and has always stuck with me about her (laughs) daughter of Steven Tyler. We should also add, but my very favorite. Yes. Very cool. Mm -hmm. So, um, my my, my very favorite, her was, was it from Armageddon as Grace Stamper? What a rule. So, um, the preview at the end of this one, we both talked about how excited we were in the last preview because we got a preview of Thor, but we went in a little bit different direction today or in rather in this movie, because uh, we saw Tony talking to General Ross and he said, quote, he was getting a team together, end quote. And that uh, obviously presages uh, the Avengers movie that we're going to talk about in a few episodes. And um, but what I really wanted to to ask you were really two things, Megan, how excited you were when you heard that. But also Mm -hmm. it made me think. Uh, I had thought the Avengers initiative was largely Nick Fury's idea. But here we have Tony saying uh, he's getting a team together. And in the first Avengers movie, he obviously, uh, or Tony uh, gave a little more background to why he thought the Avengers should be together because of the potential threats to Earth. But do you think that that meant in this movie, uh, The Incredible Hulk, that he was already thinking about that? Or perhaps was it conversations with Nick Fury? I just had not fully appreciated him as being one of the originators of the Avengers Initiative. I think this is kind of Tony Stark being Tony Stark. You know, he's not much of a follower, especially at this this point in the MCU. And he likes it's hard to see him being involved in something that he doesn't get to at least have the illusion of control over. Um, so I, I, I kind of took it as, all right, if he's going to do this, he's going to try and boss it um, as much as possible because he feels like that's his natural role. Um, but yeah, I think, right. I think well, he, he, it's part of him trying to kind of establish himself and establish his legacy. Um, but now, now that you're mentioning it, I can't really pin down in, in my mind right now how well that ties into the next couple of movies that we're going to see and what his role is in bringing it all together. Because in, in Avengers, if I'm remembering, he's quite contentious about things. <laughs> you know, he's not really working hard to gel the group. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of debates between himself and Captain America. So, uh, but we get the first hint, the, the gang, they're not, the band's not getting back together. They're getting the band together, period. So uh, that's, that's very, very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, Megan, uh, unfortunately, we're near the time. It was weird to have the stinger before the credits. I'll say that again. Oh, sorry. It was, it was weird to have kind of the stinger happening before right. the credits. That was, uh, I, I don't know if that was just the, the you know, different studios arranging it differently, but I thought it, it was almost disconcerting because then I waited to the end of the entire credits and there was nothing else. Uh, one other thing we should probably mention is this movie, as weak as it may have been, was actually a reboot of the first iteration of The Incredible Hulk mm. with Australian comedian Eric Bana in the role. And whatever you think or don't think of this movie, it was exponentially better than the Eric Bana movie. Um, so uh, there's, you know, it did stand on some lowly shoulders, but uh, this was, and then um, 
Marvel uh, reacquired the rights to the character after from Universal after this movie. So they folded him in uh, to the Avengers. And of course, we got uh, Mark Ruffalo, uh, who's now, I think, the, the ultimate so <laughs> incredible Hulk, uh, at least in the uh, phase one of the MCU. So uh, thanks for joining us. And I hope you'll join us again because we're going to take up one of Megan's <clears throat> personal favorites, Thor, in our next episode. <laughs> See you next. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Popcorn and Compliance, the MCU series. I hope you will join us again for our next episode where we take up Megan's personal favorite, Thor. Can't wait to see uh, what she has to say about that movie in the MCU. The Popcorn and Compliance MCU series is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. We'd greatly appreciate it if you would leave us a review at iTunes. Thanks so much, and we look forward to visiting with you again. So until next time, this is Tom Fox. Thanks again for listening. Popcorn and Compliance is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.